if you looked at behavioural science, there's a thing called extremeness aversion. And extremeness aversion basically means that we human beings don't like extremes. So we're having some work done around the house. And we always get three quotes. We never go with the cheapest. We never go with the most expensive. We always go for the one in the middle. And that is a human trait. Okay, so that applies everywhere. Welcome back to the CX Pulse podcast. I'm your host, Amelia Rose Earhart. Today on the show, we're joined by the author of The Intuitive Customer, Seven Imperatives for Moving Your Customer Experience to the Next Level. And that author is Colin Shaw. And Colin is a global influencer in customer experience and marketing and knows quite a bit about this topic as we really break down the behavioral economics and that digital connection to how organizations can really get to know their customers intuitively. Colin, welcome to the show. Thanks very much, Amelia. Very good to be here. Looking forward to this. Wonderful. Well, as we get started today, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and, and how you came to specialize in customer experience? Uh, yeah, it's a very simple story. My background is actually in corporate life. I started my company Beyond Philosophy 20 years ago. Prior to that, I was working in corporate life. And one day my boss 25 years ago said to me, Colin, I'd like you to improve the customer experience and do it at least cost, which is always the bit they throw in at the end. So spent some time in corporate life doing that, then decided that 20 years ago, I thought this customer experience thing was going to be big. So decided to leave corporate life and start my own consultancy. I've written seven books on the subject since then. Well, it's clear that you've got quite a bit of, of impact in this space and done quite a bit of research. In fact, you've been recognized as one of the world's top 150 business influencers by LinkedIn, which is quite a feat, plus seven books that you have authored. So as we dive into some of the specifics about how organizations can really treat their customers more like people, you say that CRM is a yesterday trend, and today the big thing is customer science. Can you tell us a little bit about that and how that all fits in? When I started 20 years ago, I saw some trends. And at that point, CRM was the big thing that everybody was talking about. And like with customer experience, CRM was also starting to, people were starting to question it. They were starting to go, is this the right thing that we should be doing? Are we getting the, the right type of returns? And what happened was as a wave of change, CRM went high and it started to come down any side, the other side and customer experience starts to take off. What I'm starting to see is that there's a similar thing with customer experience. So one data point is that despite all of the activity that's been put in over the last 20 years, according to the American Customer Satisfaction Institute, who have been measuring customer satisfaction, customer loyalty for literally since 1998, the customer satisfaction is at a low point. It's at the lowest point for 17 years, okay? Our podcast is The Intuitive Customer podcast and we had the president on there the other day of, of the American Customer Satisfaction Index. And he told us that between 2010 and 2019, only a third of organizations improved their customer experience. What I'm seeing is that this customer experience as a wave of change is starting to decline and the focus is going off of it. 
if I looked at CRM, CRM hasn't gone away. CRM now is business as usual. The CRM industry has moved from a, I think, a 16 billion pound a year or dollar a year industry to a 69 billion dollar a year industry. So it hasn't gone away, even though the focus has been on customer experience. And I think the same is going to happen. What's going to happen is customer experience is going to decline and become business as usual. And what's going to happen is you're going to get this, what I've labeled customer science, and it's not just me, it's other people. And customer science is three things. It is data, so getting information about your company. It is AI, so once you've got all that data, what happens with it? Well, AI can now start to use that to create some experiences. And the third part is this whole area of behavioral economics or behavioral science. Those three things, data, AI, behavioral science, are coming together. And nowhere is that more prevalent than in the digital space. So if you looked at organizations that are doing this, it would be the big tech companies. It would be the Googles, the Apples, all of those organizations who are digitally collecting data on the customer, looking at that data through the lens of behavioral science, and then saying, how can we use AI to create a better experience and to be able to predict that experience? And I guess what I'm saying is, Customer experience as a wave of change is declining and will become business as usual. And this next wave of change is going to take off and it could last 10, 20 years, just as customer experience has done. Absolutely. It sounds like a more holistic approach to be able to take in multiple sources of data and use them really effectively. With organizations that need to head in that direction, what kind of changes can they expect to see when they're able to integrate all three? Yeah, so the key thing here is a couple of things. One is they need to expand their view on what data source is. So I did a webinar a little while ago with uh, Google, and they were talking about all of the information that they gather. And all of that information is not just information on what people are searching for, but it's much more detailed information on the customer and how they go about buying things. So let me give you an example of this. Disney know that when they ask their customers what they want to eat at a theme park, Disney know that people say they'd like to have an option of a salad. Disney also know that people don't eat salads at theme parks. They eat hot dogs and hamburgers. So what customers say and what customers do can be very different. And this is human nature. The key issue is, do you understand that? Are you looking at your data through this business lens? And again, The great advantage in the digital space is that you can see the numbers. You can see where people are leaving. You can see them leaving stuff in their carts. You can see the types of things that they're searching for and what they actually end up buying. But the key thing that's missing at the moment in a lot of organizations is the interpretation of what the customers are saying. Let me give you an an example of that. If you looked at behavioral science, there's a thing called extremeness aversion. And extremeness aversion basically means that 
we human beings don't like extremes. So we're having some work done around the house. And we always get three quotes. We never go with the cheapest. We never go with the most expensive. We always go for the one in the middle. And that is a human trait. Okay, so that applies everywhere. It applies in the digital space as well. So consequently, what does that mean? Well, when looking at data, if you're giving your customers three offers, then basically make sure that they are going to pick the one that you want them to pick and design your experience around that. Does that make sense? Yeah, well, it does. Yes. And as I was researching for our interview today, you mentioned a lot that organizations that anticipate their customers making logical decisions, they may be wrong. Customers are making emotional decisions. Can data actually help us understand where those emotional decisions are being made to really incorporate those real changes into how we operate? Yeah, no, absolutely. So one of the things that organizations need to look to improve is how much emotional data are they collecting? So how much data from feedback mechanisms are we collecting about how a customer is feeling? What emotion is the organization looking to evoke in their customers? Have they got a picture of that? Most organizations haven't. Now you can start to collect that information and you can start to turn around and say, okay, well, this customer has contacted the call center twice. They've written in four times. They put something on social media. Well, how easy is that to predict how they're feeling? Well, it's pretty easy. Okay, so you can predict how a customer is feeling and therefore design your experience knowing that they are going to be feeling this and you want them to feel something else. But that's only if the organization is looking for those things. And I think so far, two thirds of organizations have remained static or declined their experience 2010 to 2019. Why is that the case? Well, they're not looking at customer emotions and not looking at the lens of, of things through behavioral science. They think that people make decisions just based on price, and they don't. They think that people are logical, and they're not. We are not logical beings. We make illogical choices. I could see for organizations that choose to focus on really understanding those emotional decisions, that's a big area for for opportunity. So that's exciting. Now, Colin, in your book, The Intuitive Customer, you describe where behavioral economics meets CX. So how would you describe getting to know your customer through AI, even when they don't understand necessarily what they want? So it is through the data, basically. So again, if you look at that, that whole, those three aspects, the data, the AI and behavioral science, it's looking at the data and saying, what can we pick up in the data that shows what customers are doing, but moreover, how do we then interpret things? So why did the customer not buy here? Let me give you an example. I went to donate some money the other day. I could donate 150 pounds, 50 pounds or 20 pounds. And that was really interesting because it wasn't 25 pounds, 50 pounds and 75 pounds. Didn't seem to be a logic. So 150, 50, 20. So why did they do that? Well, they did that because of them understanding behavioral science. We don't like extremes, extremeness aversion, 150, 20. Actually, they wanted me to donate 50. That was the middle option. 
The second thing was that they were using a thing called the anchoring effect. So if you turn around and say, what's the price of your house? If you turn around and said $500,000, that's the number that's now in people's mind and it goes up and it goes down from there. So the first number I saw was 150. So basically anything below that was therefore cheaper, if you like. So the point I'm trying to make is when I went back from different computers at different points, the numbers had, were changed a couple of times. Why am I telling you this? They're testing it. They're testing, well, if we do 150, 50, and 20, what results do we get? If we do 170, 30, and 15, what's the results we get? And again, in the digital space, you can clearly do that. But you need to look at things through that behavioral lens. Oh, yeah, it's fascinating. And I think as a customer myself, of course, learning why I make these decisions, even with just those subtle changes that an organization can present, like when you donated, just massive opportunity for for organizations to make real changes that over time could make them more intelligent overall. So let's switch gears just a little bit here and talk about the net promoter score and that, of course, the way that we measure customer satisfaction. But how do processes like these, focusing on the behavioral economics and that real customer science side of things, how can that impact the overall NPS? Greatly. Uh, one of our clients, uh, Maersk Line, are the largest container shipping company in the world. And they improved their net promoter score by some 40 points over a 30-month period that led to a 10% rise in shipping volumes by embracing all the things I'm talking to you about. Now, the interesting thing with Maersk Line is... Maersk are a very left-brain logistical organization. And you talked about emotions. They hadn't really thought about customer emotions and how people were thinking. And it's in a very price-sensitive market as well. But by embracing all this stuff, by starting to look at it, the net promoter score, as I say, a 40-point rise. So You've got to get into the detail of it. You've got to set the strategy. You've got to work out, well, if I, which things, if I want to affect my net promoter, then which things do I need to change? Which lever do I need to pull to get this starting to, to come up the other side? So it all applies. Yeah, it sounds like it's a real understanding of the hard, fast logic and the facts versus the more abstract information about those emotional decisions. So Colin, just fascinating chat today. Before we wrap up, why don't you let folks know where they can purchase a copy of your book and learn more about you online? Sure. Well, you can get a copy of the book on Amazon or any good bookstore. I would also highly recommend you look up the Intuitive Customer podcast because that's where we talk a lot about all this stuff. And finally, connect with me on, on LinkedIn or go to our website, which is beyondphilosophy.com. Wonderful. Colin, thanks for being here today. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us on the CX Pulse podcast. Stay tuned for upcoming episodes. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe and leave a five-star review. This podcast is brought to you by NICE, the world's leading cloud CX platform. Go to nice.com to learn more about our innovative and comprehensive end-to-end -end CX solutions. That's nice.com.